if we're creating a business that's completely dependent on us, we can't exit. And if we can't exit, then there's no value in the business for people to buy. So focusing on that, I think is a massive project. It's not something we can leave till the end. Making sure that we start to create a wealth plan. And I would hope that as we approach our retirement age that we've started this long ago, but it's never too late. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode number 34 of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am your co-host, Joe Curry, and with me is Lindsay Wilson. How are you today, Lindsay? I'm well, Joe. How are you? I'm pretty good. I want to say great, but just get out of uh, two and a half hours in a dental chair. But anyway, we're through all that. We just had a great episode with Bob Govro. Fantastic episode with Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I love chatting with Bob. He's always got a a lot of good insights and ideas, and he's always kind of pushed the envelope for how we can add more value to his clients' lives. He's always fun to pick his brain. What did you think of the conversation today, Lindsay? I thought it was fantastic. It comes down to the importance of planning. And he works primarily with business owners. I mean, that's really his forte is working with business owners. One of the things, of course, that comes out of it is don't wait to create that plan to retire two years minimum, but you should be thinking about it five, 10 more years out. Just get that plan in place. Yeah. I mean, everyone should have a plan as we talk about in the episode, but it's even more important when you're in a business owner, specifically if you own shares in a corporation, because something will happen to those shares. Tax will be paid on those shares, even if the value is not as high as you might think it is, because CRA will tell you what they think the value is and how much tax you're going to pay. So you don't want to just kind of leave it and let it end up falling in the kid's hands. You want to make sure you're proactive on that planning. But also if you're planning for your retirement to have that windfall of cash from selling your business, you want to make sure you're maximizing it as well, right? So like Bob talks about in the episode, just because you're making money and uh, your personal bank accounts are getting money, if it's not showing up properly in your financial statements, no one's going to be willing to buy your business. Right. Maybe you can give us a little bio on Bob and we can jump into the episode, Lindsay. Absolutely. So Bob is the founder and CEO of Govro Accounting Tax Law Advisory, the best-selling author of The Wealthy Entrepreneur, as well as a speaker and business coach. He's an award-winning fellow certified public accountant who works exclusively with entrepreneurs to help them make more money and gain financial clarity in their businesses. As a financial expert and author, Robert shares his insight and wisdom as a public speaker, is often cited in major business journals related to money, finances, and entrepreneurship, and works directly with more than 500 businesses across North America, helping them build a better business and generate greater financial performance. Perfect. And with that, welcome to episode number 34 on Your Retirement Planning Simplified, Mr. Bob Govro. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm glad you could join us today. And not to put you on the spot here, Bob, but I was actually a little bit happy you were running a little behind because I was just two and a half hours in a dentist chair. And my mouth is finally starting to feel like I can talk right now. So, Well, again, if you start drooling, I'll make sure I let you know. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. I appreciate that. We're excited to have you on the show today. 
I've known you for quite a while. I know you have a lot of good insights you can share with our audience today. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. To kick it off, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about your journey, who you and your businesses are serving and how they're helping people. Well, it's a long story. I'll give you the short version of my journey. But for me, I decided in university that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to look at differentiating myself and saw an opportunity to get a professional accounting designation to be different than the majority of people who are graduating from my program. Uh, articled with a national global accounting firm for multiple years, and then decided that my passion and my excitement was really tied into working with business owners and other entrepreneurs. So in 2008, I made the entrepreneurial leap of faith. Tough, obviously, getting things kicked off back then. But 15 years later, we're now an eight-figure professional services firm. I think there's seven firms that are eight figures in Canada that aren't franchised, like the large guys. And I'm the only sole owner firm in that group. So a lot has changed. We've got 80 plus employees, but we specifically focus on that owner manager, entrepreneurial clientele. And our focus is a few things. One, help them understand the financial clarity of what's happening in their business and how they can make that perform better. Ultimately, because if they can create better financial performance, they can reinvest, impact more people. And then two, the underlying piece for us, tax foundation, let's figure out how we don't lose any unnecessary money to the tax authorities, whether it's in Canada or the US. We also do work in the US. For me, you know, those two pieces really tie into making sure that people are able to reinvest in their life, reinvest in their business, and have the best journey possible, but have the greatest impact. So really for us, our mission is to help entrepreneurs create the greatest impact in the world. That's amazing, Bob. It's a long way from the office on Elmer Street. Yeah, you know, in 2008, we actually started on Stewart Street for eight months. Elmer Street was a long way from Stewart Street. And then... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We moved a few times, but now we've just expanded as well. We've got another 6,000 square feet coming our way. Again, 80 plus employees. Our goal is to be over 100 by the end of the year and take this $10 million firm to 100 million. So we've got some big ambitions. Amazing. So if we were to move in our conversation into today, many of our listeners are, I should say, retirement focused, close to retirement, and that includes some business owners. So if we were focusing on helping business owners reaching the final phase of their business career, how might we go about doing that? Well, here's the one piece that business owners are faced with. A lot of us have the greatest value tied up in their business. And one of the things I would say is statistically, we aren't as likely to sell our business as we think we are. So there's an element of getting our business ready to be sold that is very important. And we follow a value builder methodology. There's eight factors in creating greater value in a business and creating a more saleable business. And I would say two, if I had to focus on them, one is being, we have to be showing an income because that's really how the value is created in our business. If we don't have a profit generating business beyond the income we're pulling out, it's not overly saleable. The second component is, do we have a business that operates without us? Because if we're creating a business that's completely dependent on us, we can't exit. And if we can't exit, then there's no value in the business for people to buy. So business owners focusing on that, I think is a massive project. It's not something we can leave till the end. The second component of it though, is making sure that 
we start to create a wealth plan. And I would hope that as we approach our retirement age, that we've started this long ago, but it's never too late to get that process started. And I would say to automate it as best we can. Let's get the income out of the business account. If you have a corporation, keep it in corporate funds, but get it out of that operating account and into an investment account. Joe and his team would be incredible at helping you build that. But let's get it out of there on a consistent basis. I really like and believe in investing inside corporate funds. So whatever that means for you, whatever investments that you and Joe decide to start accumulating, leaving it in the company is going to be a really great starting point. Because when we pull the money out of the company, we get hit with the tax. We want to avoid that tax. And maybe I can just segue into that as part of a structure. We want to be looking at the business and how it's structured right now. Because when we go to sell, we're likely going to have to pay tax on the disposition of this company or when we exit this company. There's good ways to have this structured. And there's not so good ways to have this structured. And I know Joe and I were just quickly chatting about family trusts. Everybody has access as a business owner, as a shareholder of a Canadian controlled private corporation, you have access to a capital gains exemption, meaning that when you sell your shares of the corporation, not your assets, you qualify likely for a capital gains exemption of up to just close to $900,000. And the cool part about a trust is if we introduce a trust early enough on, we can actually multiply that exemption with family members. So there's really good structures that can be put in place to help with that tax minimization. The earlier, the better. You know, If you're within five years of exiting, we want to be looking at that structure and making sure that it's set up for that exit. There's one component of selling a business that disqualifies people. And they don't necessarily realize it. They just go through and they sell the business and realize after that they don't qualify, that's having too much cash or investments inside the company account. Now you're going to say, Bob, you just said, leave all the cash and investments inside your company account. And now you're telling me that it might disqualify me for my capital gains exemption, right? We have to do some planning. We have to have the right structure in place. So do we want to have all of our cash and investments inside our operating company? Not likely. There's exposure to risk. We probably want to get that out. So making sure you have your right business structure in there is going to allow you to pull funds, pull equity out of your operating company, protect it elsewhere, and then get access to your capital gains exemption. The synopsis of that is get your structure planned out properly. Make sure that we have all the steps in place so that when you exit, you know exactly where you stand. And also, let's not wait until that point to start building our wealth plan. It needs to start now. A lot of good stuff in there, Bob. Now, if someone's thinking of selling, they need to do the planning talked about, as you said, ahead of time. Now, am I right to say that it needs to be done at least two years ahead if we're trying to separate those assets out so they can get the lifetime capital gains exemption? Yes. There's a couple timelines. The two is the minimum minimum. And the reason that two is important is that within that two-year period, at the time of closing, 90% of the assets inside the corporation have to be active meaning cash and investments don't qualify for that. So if we have too much non-operating capital inside the company, it would disqualify us. And Joe, I would say too, everybody always says, oh, is there a timeline? The time to start planning is now. So here's a really good example. I mentioned family trusts, and maybe I can explain what that looks like a little bit. Family trust is essentially an arrangement 
where you have beneficiaries who benefit from what they own. It's essentially an arrangement where there's people in charge of who these beneficiaries are and get to make the decisions of what happens with it, but that they can get access to it. So for example, for me, my wife is Jenny. I've got Jack and Sophia are my two kids. They're minors. They are beneficiaries of my family trust. I'm a trustee. Jenny is a trustee. And I have one non-family member trustee that essentially makes decisions for the business because we're the major shareholder. My kids don't own any of the company, but if I were to sell, I can choose to distribute funds to them. That's what gets me that capital gains exemption for them down the road. So back to the beginning of why I wanted to bring up the trust is when should you start planning? If you're five years out, start planning now. If you're three years out, start planning now. If you're 10 years out, start planning now. The earlier we can introduce the right structure into your business, the more we're going to be able to save you. Here's just one quick calculation for you. Let's say we want to sell our business 10 years from now. We want to get it to a $10 million business. Right now, it's a million dollar business. If we introduce a family trust right now, we can take any of the 9 million of future value. When we introduce that trust now, that future value can all go to our beneficiaries. If we wait until year eight or year seven, and the company's worth $7 million, we now have ownership of all that $7 million. We have to pay tax on that. We can't split that income out because that trust isn't in place. So the importance of getting your plan in place as soon as possible, and truthfully, it's now. Even if you're not selling your business for 30 years, the right time to get the right structure in place is right now so that we can plan out your future in the best way for you. Perfect. Is there a scenario where specifically the family trust, the 21-year rule becomes an issue? It never becomes an issue, but it becomes future work that needs to be done. For me, I've got a family trust in place. I hope in 21 years, that'll put me at 61. I'm hoping I'm still driving the ship. That's kind of the intention. So at the 21-year mark, am I going to have to do some restructuring? Absolutely. But between now and that 21-year mark, I'm hoping that I have millions of dollars attributed to my kids versus me so that I'm getting access to all of that gain, right? So the time right now is to get that value created and have the flexibility to transfer it to other people outside of me. So yes, there is work to be doing in 21 years, but I'm building something based on the fact that I know I'm creating value 21 years from now. Right. I'm okay with that. I just want the tax benefits because you know, truthfully, the capital gains exemption is about $250,000 of tax savings per beneficiary. So if it's just us, we're getting 250 on qualifying for a capital gains exemption. I can bring my three kids in. Now I'm at a million dollars in tax savings when I eventually sell. That's a big deal. You know, that million dollars in tax savings is going to pay for my work 21 years from now. Absolutely. Now, you talked a little bit about the importance of actually being able to show a profit if you want to sell your business. And I'm sure you've looked at way more financial statements or books than I have, but it's very common to see that there's not really a profit being shown, right? So do you have any tips or any thoughts on like what can people do to start making their books show up? Because a lot of times there's cash flow there. But anyways, starting to get those books so we can start to see a profit. Yeah. Our firm does a lot of mergers, acquisitions, work. So we probably work with at least one client a month on buying a business. When we're looking at buying that business, a common theme, especially in the small business market is, well, there's lots of off the book income. Yeah. 
And you're like, well, that's a nice thing to say, but there's no way we can do diligence on seeing that that exists. So for a business owner who's selling their business, that is really lost value. It's maybe a nice perk when you're selling and you're hopeful as a buyer that that does come through for you. But we can't justify that as part of the purchase price. So one of the things that I would say is our corporate tax rates in Ontario, in Canada, are 12% for the first $500,000. So for those people who aren't showing a profit, we're looking at paying 12% tax. If that profit shows up, for example, let's say it's even $100,000 shows up in our business. The average multiple for a small business would be five times earnings. So we're now looking at a $500,000 value of that business because that earnings is showing up. That's how I would value it. We're looking at a $12,000 tax liability associated with reporting that income. Which one's higher, right? So for us as a business owner, if we're trying to build something that's saleable and we want to create and tell a good story, we need to start including all of that income. Not only is it against the law, (laughs) and it helps us sleep at night, but when we report that in there, we're giving the full picture. If I look at that same business and somebody says, oh yeah, there's $100,000 of cash jobs that's in here, but we're reporting zero income, the value of that business is zero. And there's nothing that we can do to justify that that $100,000 exists. We can't see it coming in. We can't touch it. So for the business owner, legitimize your business. One other component that I would say in the last five years, we're all really invested in growing our business. I would say most people are invested in growing their business, which involves spending. So we're investing in certain areas of our business, in people, in systems, in professional development, whatever that looks like, whatever that investment is inside our business. When you get inside your last five years, unless you feel like that growth is really going to continue at a great trend and it's because of that investment, a quick way to get your profit in the short term is to start limiting those expenses. And one thing that we tell all the business owners we look at is look at all your dues and subscriptions on a monthly basis, identify the ones that you're not utilizing and cancel them. It's very easy to find $1,000 a month in there, $12,000 a year times that by five, we're now adding more value to what our business is worth. If we can do that, if we stop investing in excess capacity for our teams, we can cut back at those times and really maximize the profitability. If you're looking at growing a business for the long term, bad advice. Like, Let's still get rid of those dues and subscriptions, but let's invest for building something greater, right? But when we start getting close to our exit time, we probably want to limit those expenses, maximize our profits so that we're telling a really good story. Because again, every dollar we save, we're essentially putting five in our pocket based on value. So that would be one really good piece of advice to maximize the value on your exit. Yeah, that's perfect. A lot of small business owners, even medium-sized businesses are looking to transition to family members as they start to exit the business. Should those business owners be approaching things differently? Yes and no, because I think everybody should be planning right now. So whether you're looking at a family transition or not a family transition, that plan needs to start now. But that transition, that plan is going to look a little bit different because one of the things we can do in succession planning is we can actually transition to the next generation without triggering any tax consequences. When we sell to a third party, not so much especially if we're wanting to get the cash out on the deal, which we likely do. 
Because if we don't get the cash out, we have more risk for the future. So with the next generation, though, if it's something that we're just looking at transitioning, we're building a legacy, we can actually transition to the next generation through corporate restructuring, where we freeze the value of the company and we get the next generation to come in and subscribe for new shares. They take the future value and we get paid out over time. So different circumstances, for sure. But again, the plan starts now. We should be approaching it to say, what is our goal and what is our objective on this exit? Then we create that path from here forward. And yes, it may look different, but the planning needs to start now. And maybe just expanding on that. Everyone listening is at a different level in their knowledge. I mean, that's why we do this podcast. We're trying to educate. What would you say to the business owner who has a pretty successful business that thinks they'll just kind of hand off to the next generation, but leave it? So maybe one part of the family is going to be involved, the other side, other kids not involved. And the thinking is, I'm just going to let the side take over. They'll take their salary. And then when I pass away, all the kids will get the business. Yeah. Let me just touch on the first point. The concepts we're talking about today, even though we're not getting into extreme details, these are advanced level. If this is the first time anybody's heard this and you're kind of going, geez, I don't really know what he's talking about. The idea of this in our conversation today is to identify, oh, wait, maybe there are resources and maybe there are ideas that we should be considering. Let's learn more, right? That's the intention of this. Yeah. So talking about family succession and family wealth transition, yeah, that's a whole can of worms. And in a good way, it can definitely be a positive experience for everybody, but it has to be well thought out. I had an example maybe about 10 years ago I had a lady come in. She was older. They had this family cottage. Her kids were both fairly successful. They had employment income. Let's say it was in the 50 to 70 range. They had spouse in a similar range. So the family household income around the $100,000 range, that gets to be challenging. Like Life gets expensive. And they had this cottage that Back in 1970, they bought it for $20,000. There was lots of memories created in this cottage and the family spent a lot of time there. And this lady was adamant that her kids take that cottage over. She said, this is the one thing I want to see happen. And I said, why is that? She said, well, all these memories and I really want my kids to have it. And I said, okay, so let's consider this for a moment. Your cottage that you paid $20,000 for, You also then built on it and built on it. And now it's worth four or $5 million. The property taxes on that are about $40,000 a year. So your children who are making $100,000 in their family, life is sometimes a struggle. They don't have all the extravagant spending that they want. You're now going to add $20,000 to each of them on an ongoing annual expense. And then you're going to have them have to keep up the maintenance of this because on a $4 million cottage, That's not inexpensive. So now we're putting all these expenses onto the kids. It would ultimately require them to either max out the financing on this place just to keep it going, or they're going to have to sell it. Because here's maybe the one thing that we need to consider when we're doing this planning. We need to plan now because not that that's a nice conversation, but if we die before this planning is done, it's deemed disposition. So in this example, this is a cottage. This is second property. This is not primary residence. This is a taxable event. So on her death, $4 million cottage that she paid nothing for, that's about a million dollars in tax liability. So where are the kids getting the money 
to pay for this cottage and the tax liability? Well, they're going to have to borrow against the property. Now they've got $40,000 a year of expenses plus, 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 and a mortgage payment. You're financially bankrupting these kids. You're not setting them up for success. So I think there's a few pieces with the family plan. One, we have to understand what the implications are of putting our kids in these positions. We have to understand the value of all of these assets. If we have some of our kids that are going into the business and some that are not, how do we want to transfer that wealth? Because you know, there's going to be resentment, likely, if we have kids in the business and not in the business, and the kids in the business are getting everything. That creates strain on relationships going forward after you die. And I know I've talked to some parents who are like, yeah, that sounds like their problem. Okay, that's how you want to leave it. But again, the plan needs to start now so that we start to map out what your objectives are with this. And obviously, we like to see a plan of equality and make sure that everybody is getting their piece of the pie through this. But again, the planning needs to start now so that everybody feels like they're in a good spot. And mom and dad can also feel like they're doing what needs to get done to maximize the family wealth and the legacy. Yeah, that's great. And the other side of it is if one kid kind of gets everything or if it looks like they get everything if they get the business, the flip side is when you leave everything to multiple kids, but only one kid's running the business and everyone else wants to stay in that business, that's a whole other issue as well. Totally. I think that's why when you get into family business, it gets a little bit more complicated and there needs to be more discussion and family meetings that are maybe beyond just the scope of operating the business where it's like, okay, what do you want? What does mom and dad want? What do the siblings want? And how do we come up with a plan that accomplishes everything? Because I guarantee you, siblings that are in operating the business don't want brother or sister who are not in there to have a say in whether or not they buy a new piece of equipment. And that could handcuff the growth of the business going forward. So yes, there's 100% challenges in family business. And I think the key route to success in that is early communication in defining what everybody wants and what we want the desired outcome to be. And then let the professionals start building the plan to help create this because the individuals in the business, as successful as you are, there's experts that can come in and solve a problem that you didn't know you could solve. So utilize those people, right? Utilize Joe, utilize my team and I, where we can come in and offer a value that you don't have. Having somebody independent come in and support you through these journeys goes a long way for the family dynamic as well, right? Yeah. It's not a dictatorship. It's a collaboration and independent people are coming in to help generate the best outcome. So family business is a challenge. It's a beautiful thing. And if we can start planning earlier rather than later, we can ensure that the family is happy, successful, and that the business continues to succeed into the next generation. Yeah, well said. We could probably go on all day chatting about this kind of stuff, Bob, but for the sake of time, I want to respect your time because I appreciate you being here today. Maybe we'll just leave it with let people know how they can get a hold of you. Also, everyone listening, Bob's not just an accountant. He's got a lot of other things going on specifically with helping business owners achieve success. So maybe, Bob, if you want to chat about that and again, just let people know how they can get in touch with you. Our firm, Govro Accounting Tax Law Advisory. Of course, we offer all those professional services. We're essentially a one-stop shop aside from the investment component, which is where Joe's team comes in. One-stop shop for business owners, really. And the one component that I really find my passion is, is in our million-dollar year coaching program. And that's where we help business owners ultimately realize their greatest financial success and their outcome. We share the journey that we have 
We invest a lot in research and development, which is just trying new things. And when we try something and it works, we share the outcome and the resources and help business owners introduce those investments into their business so that they can be successful faster. So that's really my one passion. But if you're looking to connect with us, whether it's for the accounting tax law, advisory, million dollar a year coaching program, you can check out our website, which is govrocpa.ca. And any of our social media handles are all at govrocpa. So love to connect, love to see how we can support you. Because again, we're on a mission to help you have greater impact in any way we can. That's beautiful. Thanks, Bob. And thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. All right, my pleasure. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.